This is a fourth-hand production. I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis, Joseph, etc. Uh, I don't know. So, so dramatic. Anyway, sorry. <clears throat> Back into character. <laughs> story in the news today you believe in ghosts and the paranormal now are they are they ufos or are they like some crazy experimental you know governmental i don't uh, know planes that they're building Police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. There's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome everybody to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. I'm the fucking axe man, bitch. <laughs> you can't give it away already. God damn it. We haven't even started the show. <laughs> oh, oh hey, hang up. on, hang on. Scratch that. Let's start over. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't <laughs> yeah, no shit. No. Uh, <laughs> so how's everybody doing? Listeners, good um, out there. Hopefully you guys are, are doing good. Uh, I want to start, first of all, I apologize a little bit. I've been on calls and meetings and shit all day long, so my voice is not the greatest. So if it, you know, just anyway. You know, it still sounds radio worthy. I think we'll be all right. Yeah. You know, it is what it is, man. I tell you, prepping like, so we, uh, the wife and I have a, I don't even know if you call it a vacation. Like literally it's, we're flying out Saturday, flying back in Monday, but, uh, we're going to Vegas seeing chili peppers. And so all this prep to try to make sure work's wrapped up. The house is wrapped up. The dogs are wrapped up. Like literally, you know, (laughs) put them in (laughs) bubble wrap with uh, the poop sheets, I guess. Exactly. Uh, it's just fucking is always, you know, like you work harder almost to take like two or three days off than you do just not taking the time off. It, it's well, I'll try insane. and keep my eyes from rolling back into my head while I say this, but like, yeah, it is a huge fucking pain in the ass. Like the way things work under our current system here in this country where it's like, fuck man, taking time off is almost more stressful than just continuing to work until your heart explodes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> cause and it's, it's all still yeah, there when you get yeah. back. Exactly. And the thing like, is, the fucking fires are bigger. There's more shit to put out. Yeah, I told my manager today, he's like, well, make sure you take your time off and, you know, don't think about work and this and that. And, you know, make time I'd for yourself. I'd like to, Steve. <laughs> well, that's what, but if I, but the thing can't. is, I can't. Because if I know, if I ignore shit, then when I come back, I just have to deal with it. And then it was festering. And what if something blows up? Like, literally, it is. And just, inevitably, someone's going to be like, well, this is a super huge problem right this very second, even though I knew about it weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah. since I'm just surfacing it now. Now it's your problem. Now it's your emergency. <laughs> and it's like, well, fuck, bitch. I'm on vacation. So yeah, eat my entire man. ass, I guess. 100%. I don't know. Like, yeah. Well, and it's already bad. Well, not really bad. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to do it. But, you know, I've got so I've one of my sites. I've got work going on. Has to happen on Saturday. You know, it's hot work. It, again, not to get, you know, specific with the listeners, or whatever, but it's, you know, there's an HVAC issue. Hot we work, you say. Hot work, yeah. It's not sexy. It's actually so, so crazy. Everyone's going to be running around in their Daisy Dukes and their John Man, Stockton's. I wish. I wish I could do a permit for that. That'd be awesome. 
But that's not the case. No, sir. You don't um, control the dress, dress code for the contractors? That's fucked up. I don't, yeah, I didn't get that power yet. It's not in the contract. You know, maybe we can rewrite it. We see what's well, up. Well, that sounds like a fail on your end. Yeah, true. Uh, true. Let's circle back on this. Yeah. We'll put a pin in it. Yeah, for yeah. Now. I, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not expanding my horizons. Is what I'm not doing. But you know, but Saturday. So Saturday we got the work going on. So in between flights and layovers, I have to make sure that I'm there to put the fire test in, test mo- the fire alarm test mode, and all this other stuff. And I just, I, it wasn't in the plan. You know, the wife's already pissed. I'm like, man, you know, what are you going to do? Or I drive to the site in another state. What's your options, honey? I'm. A, that's kind of where we're at. So, anyway. well, you know. Yeah, that's bitch. Yeah, yeah. I would like to say something along the lines of, like, take this job and shove it. But uh, we all kind of need our jobs Mm because that's the way things work these days. Yeah, and I'll just add on that. Calm down, Johnny Paycheck. Take songs like that going on. Well, you know, I I like to talk big when I've, you know, escaped to the bar for a minute before (laughs) recording. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. So, listeners, I'd like to not apologize that the energy might be a little bit different tonight than it's been uh, in the last few episodes since we're not actually doing this on a Saturday morning instead of oh no shit yeah. our regular time. Yeah, it is different. And actually, yeah, don't apologize because honestly, I think with this episode and what we got ironed out here, I think it kind of calls for a different atmosphere because man, this is odd. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you got anything on your side? Any rants or whatever? How's uh? Oh you guys man, still I think I've probably already done enough damage to my future um, <laughs> in this first like five minutes or so. So Fair uh, probably zip it for a second. Fair enough. Fair enough. Absolutely. So anyway, well, you know, and again, you know, just prepping for everything. Um, we're gonna do this, and ladies and gentlemen, we do have uh, some guests lined up for uh, future episodes next week. I think we have one. Uh, you know, we're going to kind of make sure we balance, you know, guests with our original write-ups and what we're doing. Of course, a monthly 14 news episode, you know, kind of find the balance amongst everything. So if you are a new listener, you know, welcome to Strange Uncles. You know, we get a lot of things hey, going on. Hey, how here. are you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, write us. You can write us at strangeuncles at gmail.com. Uh, and yeah, let us know, you know, how we're doing, whatever have you. If you are a current listener, you've been with us for a while. Thank you. Appreciate that. But I want to say that this one here is a, and I, I'm going to publicly apologize online. So we have a patron. He's been a, a life really from the beginning of the podcast, even before you guys came on. He, he's just been a fan, and he actually is a very, very good friend um, out of Canada. So Mitchell, you know, you actually uh, wanted to do an episode, and hey, you guys should talk about this. It has been a bit, so I apologize ahead of time. But we finally got our shit together. And that's what we're going to talk about. So one thing about uh, my buddy from Canada is that, uh, you know, we kind of met each other in Vegas, uh, really became really good friends, kind of fell in love with Vegas and the whole vibe when I had the the Vegas podcast going on. Um, but there was another town that he's infatuated with, which is New Orleans. And so that brings us kind of full circle to this story a little bit. And just, man, dude, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, he mentioned it probably months ago. And then I kind of sat on the back burner, and then I started looking it up, and I'm like, holy shit. We usually don't do these kind of episodes. You know, usually we kind of steer clear the whole serial killer, you know, Gacy bullshit, because, you know, we're not going to give those guys a soapbox. But as old as this is, I don't know, man. I, I you know, we found it kind of warranted, I, I guess, because it there's a lot of little ins and outs on this whole thing. I mean, I think it's super interesting. I know, like, true crime's not your your bag and that's fine it's not everyone's bag 
that's all right. But uh, I do think this is super interesting, especially like I had never heard of it before. Like you mentioned that Mitchell had mentioned it. So I'm pretty, pretty pumped. I think it's a really interesting story. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, Do you have anything on your side? You want to dive into it? Let's fucking go. All right. Here we go, everybody. So it was a rather human night on March 19th, 1919 in New Orleans. Jazz music was heard heavy in the air throughout the city as rich white New Orleanians, which I guess that's what they're called, uh, hired Orleans? bands to play Orleanians. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to say that word. I know, right? Um, they hired bands to play music popularized in a mixed race red light district. Nightclubs and bars were also packed to the gills, paying no attention to local capacity codes. In a city known for its lively atmosphere, this may have been one of the most gig heavy nights in the history of the city, but there was a catch to it. Jazz wasn't being played for the fun and enjoyment of it like it had been in the past. Instead, the music was engulfing the town out of fear. Fear that if the music stopped, death would soon be on the horizon. And to make it worse, no one knew just who would win that lottery. This scenario, which gripped New Orleans for almost a year, was brought on by an axe-wielding maniac who claimed to come straight from hell. And as mysteriously as the murders began, they ended. Without ever knowing the identity of the killer and or his motives, which frustrating in itself. So, join us, everyone, as we delve deep into the case of the Axeman from New Orleans. Open the gates. I'm not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleans and your foolish police call the Axeman. The city was also worried, plagued, and uh, in fear of a figure known as the Axeman. Beautiful little little jingle. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. On May 23rd, 1918, a home residing on Magnolia Street was being broken into. An intruder used a chisel to remove the bottom left panel of a door and slipped into the house of Joseph and Catherine Maggio. When Joseph's brother Andrew, who lived adjacent to them, heard sounds like grunting and knocking from the other side of the wall where Joseph and Catherine were sleeping in their bedroom, He grabbed his brother Jake that lived down the road, and they went in to investigate, as, you know, one would do. Uh, They found Catherine's corpse draped over Joseph, whose head and face were gashed wide open. Joseph was still just barely alive and reacted to the appearance of his brothers, but died from his wounds shortly after. Uh, And here's something else here. So Catherine's head, meanwhile, had almost been detached from her body. Her killer used a straight razor to slit her throat so deeply that she had been practically decapitated. So there's that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I will get into this later. I don't want to like fucking jump the moon right off the bat, but it bears similarities to some other things. Oh, like a- absolutely, and, and like period I said, related. Yep, yep, hundred percent. And yeah, there's some crazy shit between theories, but yeah, absolutely, we'll set that up. Um, so police found nothing stolen from their home, but did find the axe used in the attack, which belonged to Joseph and a barber's razor that was thrown in the neighbor's yard, and that would be the blade used to slice Mrs. Maggio's throat, and this blade was suspected to belong to Joseph's brother, uh, his brother Andrew. 
Um, the reason is Andrew was a barber and the police arrested him for the attack during the initial investigation, but was soon released after witness stated they saw a figure enter the home and it wasn't Andrew. So right away back in the day, you know, again, we're looking, uh, you know, 1918 type thing, mm-hmm. you know, new city, new era, turn of the century. You know, it's what it is um, to add. And this is <laughs> weird. About a block from the Maggio house was a message scrawled in chalk, seemingly by a child, which read, quote, Mrs. Maggio will set up tonight just like Mrs. Tony. So we kind of researched this whole thing again, like we covered from the beginning. There's some really specified facts or some that are kind of layman. You know, they explain this whole thing in like 10 minutes and some as as much as like 45 to an hour. Uh, But we wanted to include this because this is interesting. So from what we can gather... This message at first it doesn't make any sense, uh, but some historians link it back to another string of murders that occurred roughly six years prior, again, in New Orleans, and most done with an axe, and two of the victims of that murder spree was Tony Shambria and his wife. However, they were shot, not murdered, with an axe, so that story was never fully synced up to just this weird message that was left there, but I couldn't find on my side, man, anything that would lead it otherwise. Like, it was just weird. And again, you know, having something, a block down from the murder, first thing happening, there's an axe on the scene, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, this already sets up some weird shit here, in my opinion. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's definitely fucking weird. Um, And, I mean, I'm get, we'll circle back to this farther down the road, but mm-hmm. I do want to call out that the note seems, seemed to have been written by a child and, uh, and, you know, that it was really cryptic and weird and not super explicit. Right. Right. Yep. Agreed. You know, completely. Yep. Yep. Um, but anyway, I got a fun fact for you, Shane. Oh, hit me. Uh, it should be noted that the Maggio's ran a small Italian store or sorry, small Italian grocery store, not just a store. Uh, (laughs) that was in front of the duplex. Uh, they had their living quarters in the back, and even though they didn't make hand-over-fist-type money, it was enough to put food on the table and make a living from. Mm. It should also be noted that in this area of New Orleans, thousands upon thousands of Italian immigrants went to New Orleans in droves. So uh, they were experiencing a pretty big influx, kind of probably similar to like New York a few decades before, right? Yep, yep that's I'm assuming. Um, yep. The immigrants wanted a better life for themselves. And New Orleans was it. Apparently, New York was all full. <laughs> uh, add the fact that uh, they were willing to work on the plantations as well as other labor-intensive work. Uh, the scenario of mom-and-pop grocery stores being ran throughout New Orleans by Sicilians or any other business that they could put their sweat equity into wasn't out of the norm for them at all. And I also just want to point out that like the plantations kept being plantations you know, demanding. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. It, I, I mean, know, even shit wages for hard labor, hundred percent dude. And you know what? I mean, honestly, not to get all political about this bullshit, but the same thing happens now with like, you know, Eastern Washington yeah. has all these orchards. It's the same shit. If you have somebody who's going to go there and do that hard fucking work for next to nothing, but for, in their eyes, it's better than where they came from. They will be exploited. You know, it's still going on. Yep. Still happens. Hasn't fucking changed. You know, it's the same thing again. You know, yeah, right after Civil War, all this stuff, things are kind of lying low. Uh, yeah. You know, you have a group of, of people that are going to come in and do that, you know, 100%. So, you know. Yeah. It's a feature, not a bug. Yeah. But anyway. Exactly. It is what it is. We're talking about weird stuff, not 
And <laughs> not real world life. stuff. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. But so here is more to this story. So, you know, after those murders uh, began, again, you know, knowing Italian grocers, whatever have you in the in the neighborhood, a little over a month later, on June 27th, another attack occurred, this time to a Polish immigrant named Luis Busumer and his mistress, Harriet Lowe, or Anna, as her friends knew her by. Both were found severely injured but alive by a baker named John Zanka, who was making his morning deliveries. So, of course, you know, again, back in the day, the police placed blame on Zenka first, as one does. But due to Harriet Lowe's eyewitness account, she said that the attack wasn't from a large white man bearing a hatchet. Or it actually was from a large white man bearing a hatchet. It wasn't, didn't match the beggar, didn't match his description. And, and I so, do want to just say... That the first time I read through this, mm. I thought that said banker. And I was like, why is a banker making more? Oh, I've made friends? that mistake several times over and I wrote this shit. I'm like, wait, a banker? Where'd that come into the book? <laughs> what, yeah. what, what do bankers do? Freudian <laughs> slip, for sure. Yeah. Uh, crazy. Uh, but anyway, the police then arrested another potential suspect right after that. His name was Louis Albacon. He was a uh, 41-year-old African-American man who had been employed in Boosomer's store just a week before the attacks. So his story didn't really line up with them as far as they were concerned. And then, of course, you know, you add race to it and bam, bam. Yeah. There you go. You know? Yeah, it's funny. It's like, yeah, it was a big old white dude. And they're like, well, what about this black guy that used to work for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could it be him? Exactly. It's like, yeah. no, it was a big old white yeah, yeah. dude. They're like, well, we're going to arrest this guy anyway. <laughs> it's just a bad again, you know, so I, I just want to stay for the record. You know, this is over 100 years ago. So, you know, between not a lot has changed. Really had well, I hate to fucking say that. But, you know, between police reports and eyewitness accounts and of course stories being handed off, handed off, this is what you get. So there's a lot of things in here. If if listeners out there have followed this, they know the story and they've saw some things. Same with us, but there's a lot of muddled like it could have went this way, could have went that way. And there's a few occasions in this whole thing where that's exactly what the setup is. And and you really can't weed through it. It's just, you know, this state and the facts, and this is kind of where we're at, right? So Yeah, police work was not like uh it was in its no, yeah, 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 for sure. Like they were using fingerprints, for example, but it wasn't mastered by any stretch of imagination. So it was kind of a sideline thing, like, well, if we have to, we'll go ahead and do fingerprints. But they didn't think that it was going to do anything. So, And honestly, even today, fingerprints don't 100% hold up. They're not you know, exact science, no. no it's, so. it's a step above polygraphs, yeah. but it's not like... Yeah, no, I, anyway, I, absolutely. So, so that that's kind of where we're at. Anyway, so, um, you know, he was released, which is cool. Um, and just as in the previous attack with the Maggios, nothing was found missing from their home. To add, even though they were Polish, uh, they were, just like the Majos, local grocers. Uh, even though Luis would survive from his injuries, Harriet did not. And about a month later, during a surgery to try and correct, uh, she actually had a paralyzed face, evidently, from the from the attack. And they were trying to correct that and some other things, and she kind of went out after surgery. So she died. She passed. Uh, but there's a yeah. twist here, which is, and again, this is what's cool about this story, because... Not only there's a fucking guy with an axe wandering around the place, and not even his axe. He's stealing shit from other people. But there's these little stories in between the stories. So the media attention turned to Busemer himself um, after this, as a series of letters written in German, Russian, and Yiddish were discovered in a trunk at that man's home. So he had all the shit in his car, evidently. Uh, police suspected Busemer was a German spy, and government officials began a full investigation of his potential espionage, which, you know... 
I guess as what one a way, does. What a way to get caught, I guess. I suppose, right? So weeks later, after going in and out of consciousness, uh, Harriet Lowe told police that she thought Busemer was in fact a German spy, which led to his immediate arrest. Uh, two days later, Busemer was released, and two lead investigators of the case were demoted due to unacceptable police work. I can go figure. <laughs> Uh, Man, accountability. Uh, yeah, what right. A, what a drug. So, Busemore was once again arrested in August 1918 after Harriet Lowe, who, before she died from surgery, stated that it was he who had attacked her more than a month previously with his hatchet. Uh, he was charged with murder and served nine months in prison before being acquitted on May 1st, 1919, after a 10 minute jury deliberation. It, it only took that long to go, this is horseshit. Let the guy yeah. out. <laughs> so, there's that. Anyway, uh, so a little bit of an odd twist in betwixt all this stuff. Uh, but we want to throw it out there just so, you know, it was it's part of this story for sure. Uh, yeah. The next victim, and when Mrs. Anna Schneider was attacked in an undisclosed home on August 5th. At eight months pregnant, she was found bloody but alive by her husband and recovered to give birth a few days later. Fucking rock star, right? Yeah. Um, a lamp was used in this attack that bludgeoned Mrs. Schneider. So a little bit different than the previous ones. But again, you know, this guy that supposedly is committing these crimes, he's just fucking wandering around looking for shit to commit the crime with. Like, he has nothing with him. He has uh, whatever. You know, it, it is what well, it is. I mean, this was one of the things that I uh, messaged you about, like, having a slightly different take about. Uh, oh. In that era, like, most homes were heated by uh not even like a furnace right like they were heated by fireplaces so yeah, most okay. times would have a fucking axe laying around would have a lot of like yeah i got a good weapons good God things damn that, you that sir good part. are implemented that are meant to be tools but could definitely be used as weapons laying around you know what i mean like like yeah you're gonna have an axe to chop firewood or yeah, at least but, a hatchet. Well, but here's the thing though uh even louisiana in the middle of the winter time it doesn't get that cold, does it? Uh, cold enough to make a fire, enough, maybe. Man, you know? I mean, people yeah. in people that live in LA c- complain about it being cold when it's sixty degrees. You know, it's all relative. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, that, that's a like, good point. That's a good point. Yeah, because I'm, I'm also, sitting here thinking, holy it, shit, everybody has a fucking axe. I, fucking hide your axes, people. You know? Lock yeah, them. because like everybody <laughs> also is probably using wood fire stoves to cook, whether it's for heating or not. Yeah, you know true. I mean that too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. wood fire or coal. Because uh, this is like largely before a lot of uh, a lot of places would have had gas or electricity, you know? right? Yeah, yeah. No iPhones are around here where you can you know dial someone in and get you know something delivered for sure. Yeah, no Uber so, Eats. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> nothing like that around. Yeah, good point. Okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, so let's do this. Let's fast forward to five days later. And an elderly man by the name of Joseph Romano, who was living with his two nieces, was also attacked. Uh, One of his nieces, Pauline, heard a sound and a horrifying groan, only to wake up and see a large, shadowy figure standing in her bedroom doorway. Her uh, Her scream woke up her sister, Mary, and the figure vanished. But soon after their uncle, after that, their uncle stumbled into the room, bloody and hunched over, uh, trying to murmur, hey, you know, call an ambulance, shit happened, (laughs) I'm hurt, Uh, and he passed out on the floor. Um, he didn't make it to the ambulance, uh, but he died a few days later in the hospital. Again, same thing. So here's a pattern. There's nothing stolen. His own axe would be the weapon of choice. Uh, and, and I just want to say, man, fucking people at this point, you know, lock your shit up. Yeah. You got axes laying around, but damn, you know, yeah, I mean, you can, so you can make a little, little cupboard, put those things in, lock it up. But I mean, 
uh, but I, get I don't it. know if we're going to get know. into this detail in this one, but in the, uh, the original version of the script, we were talking about how, uh, this dude, if it, if it is the same dude got into most of the houses with a chisel, like yeah. knocking panels out of doors, you right? know what I mean? So it's like, I keep my shit locked up in my house. Um, because I do like true crime and was listening to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> so there was a little paranoid <laughs> serial killer that was going around. Like he had murder kits buried oh, shit. all over the country and he would break into people's houses and he would usually find their own weapons and use them against them. And so like, I don't keep my pistol loaded in the nightstand in case I hear a bump in the night. Like if I hear a bump in the night, I'm grabbing a blunt object and, smashing some shit i'm not gonna fair enough like yeah. pull out the gun because like i I want the gun locked away where it's safe where if because i sleep fairly soundly unless i'm having night terrors so like i don't want someone coming in like i don't want to accidentally hurt someone because i wake up right shooting fucking you know blazing away like a western movie yeah for sure yeah whereas like yeah. if it's fucking nighttime yeah. and i'm asleep like that's not going to do any good for anybody anyway. Anyway, well, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no. And again, it's the same thing. You know, we're looking back, you know, 1918, Jesus, you know, we're still trying to make a civilization, you know, in the, in the great US of A, you know, I, I get it. You know, we're still, well, you know, we're, we're doing this, yeah. we're doing that. I mean, it's, you know, so. That and like axes and hatchets, hammers, common tools. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right, like right. I've got a hammer just laying around. And, and, and honestly, you know, I don't think. I'm sure they weren't worried on a daily basis of some yet at that time, fuck, they don't even know what a serial killer is. It wasn't even classified as that. Even if somebody was fucking crazy doing that weird shit, you you never put two and two together. Like that just was not a common thing. I would imagine. No, I mean, this was, well also like as sensational as the media was at this time, Mm -hmm. it wasn't sensational, super sensational about this kind of stuff. They were making up like fake Bigfoot sightings and fake airship sightings and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, uh, for sure to sell. Well, I guess that would have been more like turn of the century, but, uh, like at this point you've got like, uh, HH Holmes that happened. Yeah. The Chicago guy, like that dude fucked up the Chicago world's fair. Yep. Not too long after Jack the Ripper. Which, happened in London. which actually, and not to get sidetracked on that, but uh, there's a pretty strong theory that links H.H. H. Holmes as Jack the Ripper. So, yeah, but I think that's been know. mostly debunked. But Has it? Um, mm. yeah, but like, who knows? Because nobody ever figured out who Jack the Ripper was. So right, right, exactly. Yeah. And, and again, you know, we beside ourselves a little bit. You know, that maybe that's another episode. H.H. H. Holmes is fucking crazy. That guy. Holy shit! Oh yeah, that dude did some wild ass shit. Oof. Um. Yeah, but uh, my point was just that, like, the idea of a serial killer like stalking specific people, all that shit was was fairly new to society, especially in America. You yeah, hundred percent. Like, yeah, because uh, Holmes and um, Jack the Ripper were in like the last like ten, twelve years of the eighteen hundreds. You know, the nineteenth yeah. century. Yeah. So, um, anyway. Now uh, we have a pattern set. Uh, People start making assumptions. Uh, Was it the Italian mafia bent on extortion? Uh, I don't know, maybe. Uh, But if he was 
sorry. Yeah. But if he was affiliated with organized crime, he seemed strangely nonchalant about money and belongings, which like, if you're extorting people, you're not going to leave their money around. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, yeah. He didn't seem to give two shits about any of that, which makes no sense in a, in an organized crime standpoint. Uh, no, I mean, you, yeah, that would have to be deep planning, like literally somebody behind the curtain going, make sure you don't do this to, you know, like it would have to be your planting seeds type thing. Yeah. Or to, it's just yeah. like, hey, Mr. Maggio, if you don't give us our protection money, we're going to turn this dude who everyone knows is a psycho loose right. on you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like it Not doesn't help to, it doesn't help to kill your revenue stream is one thing I've learned in, in business school. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> uh, wish, wish the uh, fossil fuel industry would learn that. Anyway, um, <laughs> if there's an Italian immigrant connection, uh, then this guy seriously just hated grocers. A definite, or sorry, if there is not an Italian immigrant connection, then this guy seriously just hated grocers, evidently, which is wild because like n- almost all of the victims in this series or spree or whatever you want to call it are grocers oh which yeah it's just insane yeah um but nonetheless a strange lull then settled over new orleans as the summer dragged on people were losing their shit calling the police stating they were finding random axes left in their backyards which is funny because it, he didn't bring one he just used the one that was in the house right right uh <laughs> everybody's <from> August 10, <laughs> 1918 until late winter of 1919 no attacks were reported then on March 10th, 1919, the suburb of Gretna, just across the river from New Orleans proper, tragedy struck. The Cordomiglia family, Charles, Rosie, and two-year-old Mary were attacked in their home after an invader carved out part of their kitchen door. Rosie was found cradling her dead daughter in her arms with a severe head wound and laying next to her, her husband, Charles, uh, that was also covered in blood. Both alive, but barely, which is rough. Uh, Many neighbors gathered to help, but two neighbors in particular, a father by the name of uh, Lord Landro and his son Frank, began ordering neighbors to get rags, call for an ambulance, and get the Cordomiglia's help as soon as possible. They were ferried across the Mississippi to an ambulance waiting in New Orleans, and just like the the Maggio set up, the Cordomiglias also ran a store in the front of their home as well, which also uh, I want to point out was pretty fucking common. Oh yeah. In that era. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean uh, that's, that's how, that's a cheap way to do it. Right. You know, you well, I randomly read a, a statistic on the internet, like two days ago, that was like in 1920, I think 80% of Americans were self-employed, like running their own business. Oh, interesting. And by like 1940, it was down to like, uh, 20% I think industrial Rev- revolution well you know so it shifts from this to this uh you know, maybe yeah that and it. like uh people shifting from rural communities into the city into the cities yeah more metropolitan yeah. type thing yeah for sure well and again you know like we stated before you know that, that it was common it was common to, you know you're gonna try to run a business however you can run a business and you yeah. do the same thing where it's a sewing store or whatever have you you know in your house but this is well yeah you know and another big part of that drop off of self-employed people and and cell-owned businesses was the depression like oh, absolutely. pretty much everybody yeah. was like you said in the write-up you know, not hand over fist money, but enough to get by, run your own 
yep. deli or like grocery bread, store or bread whatever. Bread on the table, you know, trying to make things yeah, work. Yeah, then the depression know? happens and no one has any money and your shit. And there you go. Out of business. Yeah, there's, there's that for sure. So anyway, um, we are actually going to take a quick break. There is another twist in the story with this uh, going on with this family, the Cortamiglias, which again, you know, that's what's so exciting. It's just fucking interesting about this whole episode because it's crazy how it goes. So uh, stand by, everybody. We will be right back. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? contemplate the other side of reality do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense well look no further than strange uncles find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945 open the gates All right, and we're back. So here's another fun fact in regards to the Cortamiglias. Uh, this is interesting. I stumbled on this too. So there's more to that story than, you know, they're friendly neighbors, uh, Lorlando and Frank, who helped the Cortamiglias. They came over, did their thing, got the ambulance and all that bullshit, right? Um, yeah. Even though the New Orleans police pinned it on the Axeman, which again, this is a, what the third one out, uh, the mm-hmm. police in Gretna, where the attacks occurred, they did not agree. They thought it was an isolated incident, perhaps even a business dispute. So both Charles and Rosie survived, but when Rosie woke up a day or so later, she claimed that Lorlando and Frank committed the attack, not the infamous Axeman. They were rival store owners, grocery store owners, and even though Rosie's husband, Charles, denied, and when I say denied, he vehemently, like, no, no, bitch, that's not fucking them. Yeah, Those are like, not the ones that fucking came in and did it. They saved our lives. What yeah, are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, but she kept, like, going on with this whole thing. Um, he denied that they, uh, him and Frank, did anything, and they were not the ones who attacked him. Uh, but despite that, they were still both arrested. Lorando was sentenced to life in jail. And again, he was, like, 70-something, uh, and his son, or almost 70. He's, like, 69, I think. Yeah, yeah. And his Which, son was... Which is old. I mean, fuck that's Yeah, that's old now, but that's like probably top end of the life expectancy back then. <laughs> back then, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then his son Frank was sentenced to hang. So it wasn't until a year later that Rosie retracted her story and the two men were released from prison. But that was after the fact that her husband, because of all that bullshit, and maybe there was more, I don't know, maybe she didn't put out or whatever have you, but they got divorced. So the whole time she was like recovering and doing her thing, um, he was like gone, you know, not not worrying about this. And I it just, you know, I think about that. I'm thinking, okay, I get rival grocery store owners and all that stuff. But, man, to pin a murder on somebody because, you know, they're marking down tomatoes lower than you I are. Mean, I mean, you say, you know. You say shitty neighbor. I say uh, capitalism. Business opportunity <laughs> taker. Yeah, yeah, I you guess. Know? I guess it she is made a move. Yeah, she did that uh, for sure. And by that, I mean gross. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Like, I mean, dude, to to try and pin an attack on the people that actually helped you, if they were the not the actual attackers, that's just pretty low ball. Like, fuck that. Yeah, that's pretty low ball. But you know, I mean, again, nineteen nineteen people are trying to survive. I guess I don't know. I mean, there are people in twenty twenty two that would definitely do the do same that. thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's like weird that you got to be careful when you help people. You know, that's fucking insane. Um. Anyway, you know, aside from all this other little twist in the story, you know, fear tightened its grip on New Orleans once again. You know, a few days after the Cortamigli attack, an ominous letter arrived at local newspapers. 
The author demanded its publication, and the address line was simply signed, From Hell. And the letter read, Esteemed mortal, they have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except for my bloody axe. Be smeared with blood and brains from he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis, Joseph, etc. Uh, I don't know. So, so dramatic. Anyway, sorry, <clears throat> back into character. <laughs> but tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the Axeman. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure that the police will always dodge me, as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from harm, which is hilarious and true still today. (laughs) Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am. But I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night at will. I could slay thousands of your best citizens and the worst. For I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Now to be exact, at 12.15, earthly time, on next Tuesday night, I am going to pass over New Orleans in my infinite mercy... I'm going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music. (laughs) And I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then so much the better for you people. One thing is certain... And that is that some of your people who do not jazz it out on Tuesday night. Jazz it out. Jizz it out on Tuesday night, <laughs> if there be any. We'll get the axe. Oh, I get what he did there. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse hoping that thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in the fact or realm of fancy. The Axeman. Bravo, sir. Bravo, bravo. Well Uh, done. I just want to point out like the huge difference between this wordy obviously somewhat educated motherfucker and the, and scrawl the dude that in the scrawled beginning. a yeah. note in chalk on the sidewalk like 
So here's this real quick, and I'll throw it out there. And again, this really isn't in the write-up, but from what I can, there's been rumors and it's pointed towards that it was not the same person. Like, oh, I highly doubt you it. Know, you know, yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, and we can talk about that, you know, when this whole thing's done. But, you know, hey, look, you know, the bottom line is, again, you know, everybody had a fucking axe. There were people that were crazy. There was things six years prior that you had covered saying, hey, we had another little weird pension of somebody running around, chopping people's heads off, whatever have you. I, yeah. It very well may be that this was just coincidence of things in the same time frame. Because, I mean, again, maybe he just wanted to settle down for the winter. It was like eight months before anything else yeah. fucking occurred. Maybe he got shipped off to World War One and somehow made it back. Yeah, you don't, exactly. You have no clue. So, you know, that's another thing out there. So, you know, when we say the axe, man, I think, you know, again, 100 years ago, da-da-da-da-da, you know, there, there's that to it for sure. But, you know, very well done with the letter. So, yes, yeah, so that was a letter that was uh, published in the newspaper that supposedly the axe man wrote. Again, very dubious. Very dubious indeed. Uh, so here we go again. You know, it's not po- it's impossible to know whether he actually wrote the letter because maybe he didn't. But nevertheless, New Orleanians took the demand to heart because it scared the ever-loving shit out of them. Now they don't know what to do. Now this thing's in the newspaper, and now they're they're just on edge, which, you know, as one would be, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so on the night the Axeman specified, the city resounded with jazz. Every house... Pool, hall, restaurant, bar, and even street musicians played jazz loud and proud. Because if not, they would pay with their lives. Add to the fact that it's very possible, if almost certain, that the Axeman was walking amongst them. In the crowds, through the streets, just making sure that everyone was abiding by his gruesome request. Uh, inspired by the letter to the Times, one auspicious composer named Joseph John Davella claimed to have composed the mysterious Axeman's jazz, Don't Scare Me Papa while waiting for the axe man to strike. A bit, quote-unquote, I'm doing rabbit ears over here, of a self-promoter. Um, by that Thursday morning, he was offering the sheet music for sale to the public at a price. His business maneuver uh, was so shrewd that many thought he could have written the letter himself as part of a marketing ploy to further sell his composition. The next day, the newspaper printed an illustration depicting a family frantically playing jazz music from their piano with looks of sheer terror on their faces as they waited for the Axeman to pass over their city. Meanwhile, Mr. Devella would later use this illustration as a cover of his now well-known published sheet music. And in the background, this is that original song, Don't Scare Me Papa. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. So lively and joyous. And what a guy, I mean, you know, okay. This almost sounds more like ragtime. Than it, exactly. Yeah, that's why I was thinking too. And on the on the flip side of it, holy shit, this dude, what kind of a piece of shit? I mean, <laughs> you get a guy that's going around killing people in an axe and you're going to go, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a tune. Really? Don't I, scare me, Papa. Whatever. It is what it is. But interesting. I mean. I'm going to come up with uh, a ditty. Uh, all right. So. People who know music theory can whip out a pretty decent like style like composition in a in a musical style or genre like without a whole lot of effort, right? You know, like people who know what they're actually fucking doing. So it is possible this dude did see the fucking letter and was like, "Oh shit, hell yeah, I'm going to I've already been writing this composition. I'm just going to make like the lyrics Axe Manny." 
or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fair enough. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's possible it's not him. And he was just like, fuck it. I see an opportunity. Why the fuck not? Um, Cause yeah. Can, why not make money off gruesomeness? Yeah. Um, well, there's that. So, but also like with how it took a minute to get some shit printed back in the day. So right, a bit, probably yeah. like uh, I w- I'm going to go ahead and call it 60, 40. He's the dude that wrote the letter. Well, you know, what's funny and no shit about that. And, and again, people that thought it was, and then if you, you know, and I actually put the, in the write up, I put the actual picture, man, whoever drew this artwork, the kids are just fucking depressed. Like they're like, Oh God, we're going to die. Oh, if I yeah. don't play the drums. <laughs> this is awful. the saddest, like, <laughs> Uh, uh, newspaper cartoon. Oh, it's fucking insane. <laughs> so anyway, oh uh, yeah, and listeners, if you want to see that, that'll be what uh, I post for this episode on the old social medias, or oh, you know, cool. Google it. I don't know. I'm there not you your go. butler. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, the bloodletting wasn't over quite yet. On August 10th, grocer again, Steve Boca, another Italian grocer. Damn. Uh, was struck in the head and knocked unconscious. He did manage to come to and ask for help and survived the Axeman attack. On September 2nd, William Carlson, a pharmacist by trade, was woken up by a scratching at his back door. He grabbed his gun and threw out a couple of shots that scared whoever was breaking in, forcing him to leave behind a chisel and a fucking axe. Which, again... Oh, yes, of course. Uh, in all of the attributized cases, he was not bringing his own ex. Right. Every I guess single, he could have yeah. grabbed it off the wood pile in the backyard and maybe it was, uh, uh, Laman's ax. But anyway, yeah, yeah. uh, on September 3rd, Sarah Laman, who lived alone, woke up to find a man climbing through her open bedroom window, hitting her with an ax. She survived, albeit missing most of her front teeth and no memory to help identify the attacker with an axe found in the front yard of the apartment. On October 27th, Mike Pepitone was killed with an axe while his wife woke up and ran to his bedroom to discover a large man running out of the house. This story is a bit muddled, though, because other reports claim she came home around 1 a.m. and found him dead. And yet other reports claim she woke up to see two men, not just one, run away from the scene of the crime. Uh, Mike Pepitone died at the hospital. After October, the Axeman murders ceased. Hmm. Though there's speculation that the killer may have struck earlier in the decade around 1911 or 1912, uh, which I believe we mentioned at the top. Yeah, and we did mention that. So, you know, we mentioned the whole axe murders, and then there was that uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Tony type thing, you know, all that stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, and again, it's interesting because, like, just as it started, it did. Now, here's a quick, another little weird follow up, which is kind of funny. Um, it is noted that the majority of the Axemen's victims were Italian immigrants or Italian Americans, leading many to believe that the crimes were ethically motivated, which, I mean, looking at it, yeah. Fucking he had a hard on either for somebody who didn't put out fresh rutabagas or they're Italian. One of the two. I fucking really can't my, put my finger on it. Well, and I mean, like, not that America is not still pretty fucking racist, but it was a bit worse. Oh, oh a bit worse. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, many media outlets sensationalize this aspect of the crimes and even suggesting mafia involvement despite lack of evidence. 
Uh, some crime researchers have suggested that the killings were related to sex and that the murderer was perhaps a sadist specifically seeking female victims. Uh, all right. Well, maybe. I don't know if that tracks, you know, though. I mean, because most of the people he actually killed were men. Yeah, but so this is the theory with, with the whole sex thing is that he killed the men, but the men got in the way of the women. Uh, that, like a Golden State Killer kind yeah, of situation. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and that's what they're they're kind of, again, theories. We're throwing out theories here sure. because there's not very many of them. Anyway, so, and aside from that, very few theories really have popped up. You know, again, this has been over 100 years, but there are a few that kind of came to light kind of as of recently. Um, one has been from a recent crime writer called Colin Wilson. He points to a man named Joseph Mumphrey, who was later killed in Los Angeles by, get this, Mike Pepitone's widow. Which is weird in its own right because I she worked her way back into this fucking whole timeline, and she later claimed that Mumphrey was the one responsible for her late husband's death. To add to that, she had remarried Angelo Albano, but he went missing soon after they were married, and she suspected Mumphrey was responsible for this hmm. as well. But interesting, yeah. But due to bad reporting, shady police work, and just fucking time. You know, this version of the story uh, was never proven. Again, kind of muddled up the whole details of what's going on. However, uh, fellow crime writer Michael Newton searched New Orleans and Los Angeles records and found no trace of Mumphrey nor Pepitone's widow. So there's that. But, (laughs) but here we go again. Scholar Richard Warner stated in 2009 that the chief suspect of the time was a man named Frank Mumphrey, spelled different, who used the alias Joseph Mumphrey or Manfrey. So, you know, although this leads an intriguing one, the Axeman's identity remains a mystery. Nevertheless, the killer's violent, jazz-loving legacy continues to haunt popular culture to this day. And holy shit, you know, it's just, again, I, I don't think it's one person after going through the case, looking at it, the one six no, years prior. You know, I mean, all these things come together from what it is. I am interested in this whole uh, Mrs. Pepitone thing. I find it Mrs. very curious. Pepitone. Isn't that, and she's like perfect mafia name, you know, from well, like day one. You, like, yeah, I, especially back in the day where information and police work, like the access to information and police work such as it is, wasn't where it's at today. Right. Yeah, um, for sure. Like, yeah, if I had a score to settle and there was like a, "Quote unquote," axe man running around. Maybe I would do what they said that he's doing in the papers. You know, yeah. No, Settle that no. score, get it yep. pinned on him. Go about my fucking merry way. You well, know? and that was another thing too that you know they thought that uh, you know not only was she thinking that the axe man killed her second husband, you know that she married. That's why he went missing. But then yeah. the whole thing is okay. It's vendetta, vendetta on her side that she's going to come back and. For some reason, she ended up finding out who the guy was. She knew who the guy was. She knew it when he killed Mike, her original husband. And so she just kind of followed the lead. I mean, possible. I, possible. Well, after this, there was nothing really that occurred in New Orleans whatsoever as far as axes are concerned and murders. But um, I don't know. You know, just again, I don't think that the story of him running around with an axe and lamps and hitting people is really the main crux there. I think no. a lot of it is, you know... All these people that are involved, they have these inner other stories that fucking the police went, oh, wait, and they had to go down this pathway, or they thought they did. You know, yeah, to bring, well, it's, just it's weird. like the human brain is 
I'm going to get off my ACAB soapbox for a second <laughs> and give them this credit of like the human brain is hardwired to look for patterns, right? Absolutely. And, and so yeah. when you see crime scenes or attacks that fit a pattern, you're going to assume it's the same person or the same people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And actually, honestly, a lot of the times you're going to be right in that assumption. Well, and, you know? and, and to add to that too, uh, we did an episode actually fairly recently that was about the mind and, yeah. you know, recent memories and the mind is wired to look for the negative first, to look for the instinct things first, same thing with police work, same thing with murders and all that, you know, and maybe that's why I don't really enjoy true crime because it just, yeah, it just doesn't appeal to me. I really don't care, but I get it. I mean, I get it. You know, when you're out there, you're investigating the case. And then to make it worse, you know, it's a case that's over 100 years old. Holy shit. You know, how yeah. do you, you're, you're pulling shit out of archives that, fuck, you know, you know, you don't even know if they're right or not. So that's what's unique about the case. And that Jack the Ripper is the same thing. You know, yeah, it was sensationalized. But fuck, you know, we're looking at how far down the decades at this point. You know, there, there's no way we're going to, there's nobody going to pop up and go, oh, that was my great, great, great. It's not going to happen. No, some people have. <laughs> they have. They tried. Actually. Um, yeah. Specifically, the dude that was trying to prove that H.H. Holmes was his great great grandfather. Oh, I caught who, that. Who like had yeah. a show on History Channel briefly trying to prove it, and it was somebody else was just like, "I can categorically prove you wrong." Like, fuck off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, um, get off my stage. <laughs> but so. thanks for bringing uh, Jack the Ripper back up because that reminded me that I wanted to say like the letter. Yes. That the Axeman allegedly sent. Again, addressed from hell, which is famously where, like, that. Same thing. Considered to be very authentic Jack the Ripper letter because it had, like, the blood and some, like, like part of a kidney or whatever. Wasn't there a movie uh, named that, it. too? From hell? Yeah, yeah, because he said, We're from, like, I'm writing you from hell. Right. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, that exact verbiage, pretty much. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and uh, that just makes me think that because uh, because that would have been 20, 20, uh, probably 25, 30 years before the Axeman. Mm, so roughly, those yeah, details it, would 18? be public knowledge, you know? Yeah, true. Well, and, you know, here's the thing, too. That's actually good, you know, for spitballing plausibilities here. Uh, copycats, you know, back then there weren't any. Who's to say that, or now there there are, but who's to say back then there weren't any? Who's to say this guy wasn't like, man, I fucking Jack the Ripper. I really like that guy. I'm yeah. going to follow in his footsteps a little bit, you know? I mean. And that was his thing. So. There's a lot less lead in the air, water, and food today than there was <laughs> then, than Very there true. was Very in true. the late 1800s than there has been throughout history. Like, right. in general, this is going to sound real weird. But in general, uh, like humanity is a little bit less violent than it used to be specifically because of that. Like I so I read this article the other day and you can, you know, again, correct me or whatever have you. But isn't that kind of the fall? It sounds dumb, but kind of the fall of the Roman empires, because everything they used, like all their plumbing was like a lead based and they had other things that were and it literally poisoned the civilization a bit. Um. It, that definitely happened. I wouldn't say that was the fall of the empire. I think they overextended. Oh, it wars and stuff bankrupt. like that. Yeah. But I yeah. mean, like shrinking down and going, hey, uh, our people aren't good because of you know whatever this I is I mean, going that on. didn't help. But that's also why, like, when we think of, like, 
earlier periods in his- history and how much more violent they were, a big part of that is because people were just kind of inherently just, more just, violent. Just overextension. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, just like, you know, just fucking everyone had a little bit of lead off. poisoning was a little bit stunted. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. True. They didn't give a shit whether they died in battle or uh, some of that. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I don't know listeners. It was uh, interesting. Again, we don't usually dig into the true crime aspect of things, but uh, this case was weird and it was weird. Just, you know, there's a little music involved. There's a little, uh, you know, maybe that was kind of groomed and maybe it, it helped mold what New Orleans really is. There's a whole nother side of New Orleans. And, and again, I've never been, but I, I really want to. Mitchell, still trying to make it. There's a bourbon fest that happens yearly that uh, I had plans to go to and COVID hit and things happen. But uh, just the town, it has such a mysterious vibe in general. Not only with, you know, stories like this, but you bring like hoodoo voodoo into it and, uh, you know, the mausoleums and the set. Like, there's just a man, I couldn't even just the energy in that city is probably pretty fucking amazing. And I'm sure, you know, maybe that added to some of the what the story is. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know. You yeah, know, it's like crazy. one of the oldest cities in America. You know, yeah, yeah. Built under, like it's built got a lot below, of weird old shit going on. Built below you know? sea level, which. Bad engineering, but it is what it <laughs> yeah. is. So anyway, but folks, yeah, that was a story. Very interesting. Now, cool. And Josh, you know, thank you for, uh, for helping out on that and, uh, and doing your side. Um, you know, maybe we'll throw another serial killer thing out there. You know, if we do keep in mind, it's not going to be something that's still sitting on death row. It'll be an oldie, but a goodie back there. You know, just because yeah, it's kind of preferably something with a little like weirdness and mystery to it. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I think that's what drew me to this one after I started looking into it because all the little twisted shit that was going on and these other people that <laughs> it's just fucking crazy. So anyway, well, welcome. Um, you can actually find us if you have a recommendation on your side. You have a story. You have a tale. You have a family mystery that you want to throw out there and let us know. You can write us at strangeuncles at gmail.com. You can call us at 801-252-69. Pepitone. 45. God, God, it sounds so Italian, doesn't it? Like so it's Italian. to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so fun. Um, how are we looking on socials, man? Uh, we're in the usual places. We are at Strange Uncles Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We are at Strange Uncles on Twitter. We have a YouTube channel. We're uh, we're strategizing around that. Give us a minute. It'll <laughs> yeah, we'll, minute. we'll start putting some more effort into that. Um, uh, maybe like some forty Warhammer forty k themed stuff. Who knows? We'll <laughs> we'll figure it out. Anyway, we'll get to it. We'll get to it for sure. So stand by for a couple guests we have on. Uh, possibly stand by for a guest host, actually, uh, that might be kind of in the uh, in the pipeline. You know, we'll see what happens with that. Um, some good stuff. Always love doing this. Uh, Josh, I'm going to be kind of probably out for a few days just because I'm going to try to enjoy Vegas. So if you don't hear from me for a while, you know, usually I talk to you at least on the daily. One you cannot know. actually just enjoy Vegas. <sighs> I know. Touche, sir. Well, it's cool because not only the Chili Peppers concert, but uh, I got a local podcast I listen to, uh, Ice Cream Social, uh, Matt and Maddenly, really cool. They're all local uh, Vegas natives, except for one he moved back to, or he moved to Pennsylvania, but they are doing a bucket show downtown Las Vegas, so we're going to try to go to that. Uh, just, I don't know, it's just awesome. We're going to try to catch up with who we can catch up with, but 
It'll be fun. You know, I know you don't enjoy the city, but I enjoy it immensely in small handfuls. I don't handfuls. enjoy the city or the chili peppers. I've been refraining from giving you shit about that. <laughs> I know you have, literally. So, anyway. Um, you got anything else on your side to wrap up? Uh, no. All right. Well, hopefully you guys enjoy that episode. Try not to kill anybody with an axe. And if you do, uh, take it with you. Do not leave it on the scene. Just saying. Uh don't speak to the police without a lawyer under any circumstances whatsoever, ever. That too. Well, yes. Look at Alex Jones's situation. <laughs> Sweet karma. Well, fuck that guy. Sweet karma. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet karma. Anyway, I'm going to end with that. <laughs> Close the gates, everybody. <laughs>